Wow, look at that mansion is in full color. This is foreshadowing the door color, knocker. Yeah. Uh, Cooper and Schlotzschlack. The most dangerous. Those are the King Kong producers. Well, didn't King Kong come out the same year, basically? It's, yes, the answer is yes, but it's weirder than that. This, this movie we're about to see right now is shot on the King Kong jungle set. I knew it. I recognize that jungle set. <laughs> There's a lot we of had like a jungle overlap. set when I was a kid. It was a, in the backyard. It was the jungle. It was oh, swings, well, yeah, that was a nice good jungle set. You shot King Kong and Moose Andrews game on the set. Now, As favorite. a matter of fact, they share actors. Faye Ray. I mean, Faye Ray is the yeah, most famous. You know Faye Ray from the Rocky Horror Picture Show lyric. Right, and she was the original Scream Queen. That's Well, she screams a fuckload, and a boatload in this movie, doesn't she? I mean, that's all she does. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. She had to rest her voice between... Uh, see, they would go film King Kong during the day and then come shoot this at night. Seriously. Well, I mean, one of the things that impresses me, besides this full colorization is that uh, the boat scenes are pretty fucking awesome. I mean, it looks mm -hmm. like people drowned. Well, it looks like uh, toy boats sinking, and then you cut to the open water and an actor jumping into the water. Right, exactly. <laughs> You'll see that very shortly, 10 minutes left. So, so right now, the captain is like, I don't like this. The charts say that the lights should be over here, but when we get here, the lights are over there. I don't trust this channel. There's dangerous rocks. The lights are off. Something's right. wrong. Well, the captain's been microdosing. That explains the lighting. <laughs> These are all King Kong people. That's so awesome. They're just like, fuck it. We must get to Skull, I mean, most dangerous game island. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so they're saying, what's, what's up with the captain? Ever since you told him to go through the channel, you know, he didn't come down for lunch. He didn't come down for dinner. And Doc, who's the owner, he's like, my boy, you this, have nerve. This is what like, you need is some alcohol. This is a proto-yacht, right? I mean, these guys are hunters, mm -hmm. and they, they talk a very racist game about the difference between them and the savages, but uh, because they hunt f not for food, but for sport, and therefore they mm -hmm. are superior. And then, uh, I mean, this looks like a, a first-class train car. It's a yacht. Yeah. Look at that. They got like a big fish in the back. It's pretty sweet. Right. Fireplace? <laughs> Is that a fireplace on the boat? Mm-hmm. On a boat, yes. All right. So can you explain how that works? You just warm up if you want to warm up. You, you just start a fire in your boat? Some, yeah, yeah, you go You go you outside. some ocean trees. <laughs> some ocean trees. <laughs> yeah, you bring some kelp and seaweed for kindling. The last shot after they sink is Task Rabbit showing up. I'm, I'm here to clean your boat. DoorDash. Now here, this guy is um, a hunter, a famous hunter who's published books on hunting and he's been all around the world. Joe, Joe McAllen, he's the survivor, right? He is the sole survivor of a boat wreck, which we're going to uh, spoil right now. Oh, look, I can't believe that guy's playing solitaire. That's from 1932. Yeah, this he is, only... is Joel McRae. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I think he's one of the only people who's not in King Kong, and he's got a title role here. He was in The Virginian in 1946. Never saw it. 
So one time they were talking about Alfred Hitchcock's Foreign Correspondent 1940, like it was a great film. I, so I rented it, yeah. and it wasn't. No, no, but he it's, was it's, the star of that. It's not that it wasn't a good film. It's just, it's a fucking slow ass film. It is. There's lots of talking. Lots. There's a shot of him fighting the tiger. I know that like, was a close call. And they're like, "What? You know?" Because he's saying we shouldn't go through. We should go around. There could be dangerous rocks. And he goes, "Look at this guy, the guy who laughs at danger." Here's me around. hunting a lion. Here's me playing Super Street Fighter Two with the lion. Oh, that's the deadliest game. Oh, super goddamn <laughs> joke. <laughs> so let's clear up the title. They're hunters, and the hunted is referred to as game. Yeah. So the most— well, That's what they're saying to him right now. They're saying, what if you were the tiger? That's what they're, you know. Hunt man? I'm getting ahead of myself. I have seen this movie a hundred million times. You have? Yeah. Now, we were watching a film called Drag Strip Riot. Which is available on YouTube and our podcast feed. He's like, hmm, the bad luck dangerous queen of death came up three times today. Look, if you play a game of cards, the queen of spades is going to come up. Oh, yeah, at least four times. At the most, four times. Okay, so now it's going to happen. Well, my, my question is that, like, when he loses a solitaire, does he turn off the computer and reboot it? Uh, oh no someone's turning the camera Uh oh the bath toy is going that way (laughs) it It looks pretty pretty real it's pretty impressive special effects especially in colorized can you imagine like Ted Turner's like I got this great idea I bought this back catalog of classic films we'll colorize (laughs) them we'll start a network called Turner Colorized uh, Movies Classic. And I'll make millions. And then the backlash came. out front with a picket sign. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a disgrace to films. That's my Look how they do it in slow motion so it really looks... That's what you're talking about. Yeah, right here. Like, wee! (laughs) They had to jump very high for the way they splash into the water. Well, Joel McCrave kept saying cannonball and they had to reshoot it. (laughs) Cannonball! Marco! No, Joel. Can't you just voice over? And down wow. it goes, right outside Kroll, uh, Skull Island. Get off of me! Get off of me! What's the name no of that chewing tobacco? No but okay. Carl, do you remember the name of the chewing tobacco, the dipping tobacco? Kroll? Scroll? No. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, I see the S-K-O-L like you're talking yeah, about. Like I don't Skull. know its name. How about like Skull? chewing tobacco island? Like Skull Island. <laughs> <laughs> Kate Cog is dabbing. <laughs> Now there's our hero, and he's the captain's oh. still alive. Like a lot of people are alive, but look what's coming! Baby shark. Uh oh, grandma shark. Oh. He just got eaten. He was the most delicious game to the <laughs> shark. <laughs> now this guy's a lawyer, so out of professional courtesy, the shark won't eat him. See, I think he got fooled because he thought it was a dolphin. Oh yeah, adorable dolphin. <laughs> oh here, okay, so. Now, our hero is the only one smart enough. His name is Bob. He's the only one smart enough to swim to the shore. Oh, he was bobbing. Yeah, the the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Baby shark, shark. Now, this is the beginning of um, Castaway with Tom Hanks. That was probably uh, Wilson's best role. So he's, like, exhausted. 
but his clothes are like dry but and yellow. It's it's the morning now. Listen, I like colorization just like you, Mike. We completely support that. Yeah, we support it. The thing it. is, <laughs> <laughs> in 1933, if they had color, they would be shooting in color. Come on, right? Well, the great That's thing about the this movie of the audience. It shows like colorization is obsessed by the exact color of khakis. Like they nail it. <laughs> <laughs> I we were watching we were watching this film and there was that golden clock in the in the stateroom. It was perfectly. I like colorization. Look how green that foliage is. Well, you know the the argument against colorization is always it's a wonderful life that the wife's name is Violet and her clothes are violet. I mean, <laughs> it drives me apes. <laughs> Just so obvious. Turn your colorized movies. So basically, Bob is like, the fuck, man? What am I going to do? So he starts walking around. Takes what his clothes off. What does he stumble off. upon? Oh, it's the set from King Kong. It, yes, it is. This is. But he sees a painting of the Scooby-Doo castle. <laughs> Gotta be. And there's a van parked outside, no less. You know, one of the actors Look from how- King Kong's in this movie, the dinosaur. <laughs> you remember there was a dinosaur in King Kong? I fucking love it. Yeah, because movie. it's Monster Island. Skull Island. Didn't you see the documentaries about it? I didn't. Skull Island, King Kongville, or whatever. I've, I heard it's really good, and I just can't sit through it. The, the documentary about making it? No, no. I'm, I'm saying that the movie Skull Island was actually a, a documentary. Oh. On oh, Skull oh, Island. Oh. oh. These guys who made um, King Kong, they were like real adventurers. Um, and I mean, they come, one of them was like a pilot in the war, World War One. The other one was a. Um, um, World War One. Yeah, that's how ancient this is here. Oh, right, because Look it's at that pre-World great War house. Oh, I, I know. And it comes with butler service. I, the door opens automatically, and he doesn't think once to look behind the door. Yeah, he just walks right in. I'm sure it's safe. I locked you in. He he. This is Ivan the Cossack, and right now we're looking at an African American person in white face. Oh my God! Really? He's a Caucasian. There he is. And Ivan. that's and that's the dinosaur dressed up in Joel McRae outfit. That's a that's an African American guy. In Whiteface. Yeah. Weird. His name is Noble Johnson. His real name was Mark Johnson, but he changed it to Noble. And he had a production company which was trying to show black people in film, at, you know, like not as caricatures. But the big irony is every guy, every time this guy's in a movie, he's doing a caricature of like an act uh, of a of an african-american or he plays the native american huh. or he does white face etc i mean this is, this was a popular movie at the time so i mean he's in a big movie but yeah not the oh he had a huge career lots of fame he was in Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea nice he was in uh, dante's inferno he was in a lot of things by he the way a lot of those are all real life not the movies he was literally Twenty Thousand leagues under sea he was literally in dante's inferno Look at his smile. He, says, he doesn't talk. Smile, Ivan. Why won't your servant talk? Oh, you see, he has not speak area. <laughs> not speak area. <laughs> Listen, we have one screenwriter and we ran out of lines. 
they do have one screenwriter. Okay, so this guy is a count. He's he's part of yeah. Uh, count me, kill you. He's, count me, count the ways I'm going to kill you. <laughs> there's only one. Bam. Um, his name is Leslie Banks. This is his first movie ever. Oh, he's, he's so good at this. Looney Russian count named Zaroff. Oh, he's terrific in this movie, though. I mean, I love the fact that he just came back from the opera. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now, look how they're showing only one side of his face. And that is because? Because he has a paralyzed face on the other side. Oh, and it looks fuck? creepy. Right. So when he's like, hi, I'm a normal person, they show this side. Uh -huh. But when he's like the maniacal guy, they show you his face full on. I must piss Batman creepy. off. And, he pit and then he goes off and terrorizes Batman and Gotham City. <laughs> he did to go on to do, he, w he would spend his career halfway between America and halfway between England doing lots of stage work and lots of movies. This was the thing that launched him. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's an iconic role. He was in Laurence Olivier's Henry V. Whatever you do, do not play charades. For it is... Look. The most boringest game. It's a creature from the Black Lagoon. Right, so he's looking at him like, you're a little creepy, yeah. Count Zaroff. Count. <laughs> Hello, Look my at, name see is... See the creepy face? Yeah. My name is Count. I'm going to kill you later. What? Uh, no. <laughs> so... It's like, okay, so we're shipwrecked, and everything's cool. Just a shipwrecked person yeah. is like, please enjoy my hospitality and come down and meet my other shipwrecked guest. Well, he walks into the, the door opens, he walks in, and then this creepy guy clocks the door, and then he yeah. just takes it from there. Yeah. I'm in a creepy castle, and they locked me in. But it isn't like, where can I go to send the telegraph? Is there a boat that can take me back to civilization? Right. It's just like, yeah, I'd love some water and fresh clothes. Well, in 1932, you really want to tell X your, your loved ones. He realizes once he knows his name that he's the famous author of hunting books. Oh. And, and Count Zaroff is a great hunter. And he's talking. Okay, oh, there's we're fame. now meeting the lead in... This is the lead in King Kong, Faye Ray, and the other lead uh, in King Kong, which is um, King Kong, Robert Armstrong. Who the fuck is Robert? Is he like the reporter? Is he the cap sea captain? He must be the Robert sea captain. Armstrong in the movie uh, King Kong was the one to utter the famous line at the end, like it wasn't. The planes that killed the beast was beauty. It was beauty who killed the beast. Which He's is the a... guy who's like, uh, yeah, the photographer guy who falls in love with the girl and saves her. And It's, by the way, what a spoiler to the movie Beauty and the Beast, that last line of King Kong. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. Uh, listen, Mike, this is a public domain film, 1960. Right. They let this thing lapse so we can That's hear them. Important. The thing is, this Robert Armstrong is so drunk. Well, wait, so Robert Armstrong is the, 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 her drunk brother? Right, it's her drunk brother, it's and he's a... playing, not a bit part, but yeah. but he will be gone very shortly. Oh, yeah. Well, he is probably the most drunk game. And he reminds me a lot of Eugene Levy from SCTV when he does, like, really? a, yeah, John Candy had a horror movie host, and he had, like, a sidekick. Yeah. And also, it reminds me of him doing Floyd the Barber. 
Oh, let's, let's listen to this drunk guy. Celebrity, Miss Trowbridge. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't tell me. Let me guess. I know. Flagpole sitter. They're like, why is he famous? He's a uh, flagpole sitter. Which was popular at the time. That and moving pictures. Well, the thing is, when Sandy and I were first married, we would want to go to the movies and stuff. But you got to get a flagpole sitter. I mean, you just... Oh, it's true. We, and yeah. you have to yeah, add that to the, the budget. It's the reason why we don't go out that much. I mean, it all adds up. You get the movie Thank tickets, God for dinner, uh, flagpole sitter. Yeah. Well, that was a popular fad at the time. It was uh, a pre-World War II fad, they would call it. Right. Is it the you Great would War? You get in your mink coat... <laughs> you would sit on the flagpole. You would hide in a dust buster, uh, dust cropper, and when the plane goes up to dust crops, you get onto the wing and you start dancing. What? Get off my plane! I'm trying to dust crops, and I'm trying so to do the Lindy. Is, wait, there's crop dusting. Is that thing where you walk? By somebody and fart? No, no, I'm talking about the airplane. You're in an airplane oh. and you fart. <laughs> that would be, you have a lot more coverage. It's, Talk about it's the same trails. premise. But, you. Yeah, thanks for dragging that down. <laughs> oh, I love how, have you ever met a drunk person who talks like uh, the brother? Um, In my life? Yeah. yeah. I guess so. I want to hear more of them. My father. He was great, really. It my, was so my, much fun. My late father was fun when he was drunk. I was at that. Your your late father was no drunk. No, he was no drunk. But when he, in which we would be at a party, yeah, yeah, you get a couple of them, and he would definitely be the life of the party. You want to go to Cuba? I can get you into Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! She spilled the tea. The get out curse is gone. Oh, how shit. We're there in a fucking deserted island. I also like how yeah. Count Me Off has like, oh, I have <laughs> clothing that fits you. And it's all like... That's shirted. right. Yeah, but it's shirt and tie stuff and the Count wears tuxedos. Uh, no, I got to tell you, that's his original... I don't understand. That's his original outfit from the ship. So I don't get it. Some Gilligan's Island shit going on. See the crazy face? That's the paralyzed side. Yeah, like his eyebrow didn't move up. That's right. His whole... I, I have what it is uh, written down. Uh, it's not false palsy, but it's similar. Oh, here's the drunk guy. One night as I lay in my tent with this... this head of mine, a terrible thought crept like a snake into my brain. What if you <laughs> ate a Pop-Tart without toasting it? To bore me. Is that He's saying now, count? hunting is beginning is, to bore me. Well, then don't stop hunting. For all other passions. I think fucking when leopards are like, did you hear the news? Hunting. Count thinks hunting I is boring. My love of life. <laughs> We're going to have to step up our game. Growl! Step up our game? During World War One, Leslie Banks suffered a disfiguring injury that paralyzed the left side of his face. Never once letting this injury interrupt his career, he went back to the stage after his release from service in 1918. With six years as an international stage star, he's one of the most popular British actors on Broadway throughout the 20s, including his 24 appearance in Peter Pan as Captain Hook. Wow. So... This yeah. is his first film role. 
1933. He has the most lines in this movie, too. I think. Uh, the picket fence out front of the castle has the most lines. <laughs> oh, has the most, yeah, right. Vertical lines. The, the credits of this movie in the beginning. I like how the movie starts as a knock on the door. Doorbell now, repairman. This, the, the brother being drunk is actually like tacked on. It's a loaded script element. He's just supposed to be annoying. See, this comes from a real book called the the. It actually has two titles: the most uh, dangerous game. That was an extremely popular book because people loved to hunt back then. Right. And the girl, the yeah. King Kong producers put a girl in everything. They were not dummies. So him being drunk is tacked on. He was really just supposed to be annoying, and the sister is totally written into the script just to have a. A lady. A beautiful girl, yeah. Well, like, what do you think drinking was like in the 1930s? Like, do you think people, like, socialize like he does? Like, talking that effect? Well, Prohibition was still in effect. Oh, at 32? Yeah. Huh. You have to go to an island to drink? Now, I never saw... Um, Mighty Joe Young, but the people who made this also made Mighty Joe Young in 49, and they also did a drunk character. Um, the people, the, people who did King Kong also did Mighty Joe Young? Yes, and they did the Son of Kong in 33, which was basically let's glom off of what we already made, and they had drunkenness in that, which was disastrous for the heroine's father, it claims here. I never read it. Huh. I, I never saw it. I think, you know, I, I've always seen, like, King Kong versus Godzilla, which is such a fucking ripoff. I don't think it was authorized at all. <laughs> it's like um, Alien versus Predator. Yeah, but that's authorized. Oh, 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 oh. They had a, a comic book series and, uh, as a tie-in, and then it became two movies. It, okay, so that Godzilla, that was never authorized? I mean, you... No, it was you called. Think they'd have an author. I don't know. Like it, it was up. called Godzilla versus King Kong, and the Godzilla was there, and the, and a guy in a monkey suit was in there. <laughs> Godzuki. Was there ever like a? I know there was a Godzilla cartoon show, but there wasn't like a King Kong Saturday morning cartoon show, right? It wasn't like the Adventures no, of King Kong. The Great Grape Ape was. Grape Ape. <laughs> yeah, and he would he would use the their van like a skateboard and the guy would oh, be like so hey, drunk. he's so drunk he can't even open that piano lid yeah so the 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 sister is pretending to be concerned and he's like you guys go to bed i'm hanging out with count zoloff and count <laughs> zoloff wait zoloff is the drug right it's count count zoloff kill you and he's a piano player he's a very culturized he's a liter yeah he literally is a piano player He there's no other ra there's no radio stations. <laughs> I guess no. Do you guys have Netflix? So the girls like, hey, listen, we're supposed to be love interests. Sit here next. To Those are great games. They sure are. Great games are not ferocious. So what the director did is he continued to to shoot them at a an above angle to make them look menacing. There's like six of them, right? Yeah. Are you saying the directors let the dog get out? <laughs>
who let the dogs? The director. Oh. Okay, so there's two directors. One is Ernest Shiodistak, who's the King Kong guy. But then there's another guy named Irving Pitchell, who went on to do Destination Moon in 1950. That was his biggest thing. And the internet claims that Pitchell was more of a dialogue director than a co-director. It, this was the King Kong film, the King Kong guys film. Wow, that's well. They did. This is a good movie. I mean, it does a good job. And I should mention this theme of like an island or a location where people have to kill each other. I don't yeah. know if you saw the Japanese movie Battle Royale. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a popular cartoon. Uh, excuse me, cartoon for Japan and uh, and they made it into a live action film. It's basically all the troublemakers from school get sent to an island and they have to kill each other. And, really. Yeah. So the Hunger Games is also like that too, and uh, you see this plot pop up a million times. I had mentioned a Ice T movie where I remember they all have right. to kill each other, and the guy like throws a, a box full of guns down the staircase, and everyone scrambles to get it. Uh, he's like a homeless person in that, and he's the last one yeah. from the party left. Yeah, I saw it. And then there's a Hard Target with Van Damme, which turns uh, into the here island. Here I have. Okay, the story was, of course, it's this movie, but also Orson Welles did it on CBS Radio in thirty in forty three. <laughs> it's a lot uh, cheaper. Game of Death in forty six. Mm. Not Run to be confused. For the Sun in fifty six. Game of Death should not be confused with the Game of Life. Two different things. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Game of Death is when you don't go to college. In Game of Life. <laughs> you don't get a family. <laughs> you don't spin the wheel. Yeah, you're stuck at thirty two grand a year. <laughs> that's basically true right uh yeah so what, what other movies kind of take this plot um that is the list that i have that well, I, I can directly name directly connected to yes you can because i mean the ones that stayed the danger most danger look how creepy he is man well that's just the camera uh, right yeah, he only looks that? creepy in color he's a very charming guy in, black, <laughs> in the original black and white uh, John Lesmazano, excuse my pronunciation, he did a movie called The Pest, which is one of the mm-hmm. worst films, but he's he's an obnoxious guy, The Pest, believe it or not. And he meets a bunch of businessmen, including Jeffrey Jones, who uh, is a kind of a pest to begin with. And it ultimately, like the second half of the movie, they go to a rich man's island and they, they hunt him for the rest of the movie. Ah, uh, Okay. So it just changes, switches gears and becomes the most dangerous game. Oh, wait, here it is. The most dangerous game also published as The Hounds of Zaroff. Ooh, I like that title. A short story published by Richard Cornell, 1924, in a magazine called Colliers, I guess. Oh, yeah, Colliers. I get my uh, tomato salad (laughs) recipes. Uh Uh-huh. What not to wear in Labor Day. Thank you, Colliers. World War II, fad or is lasting? <laughs> yeah, like, there's some comedian here in Jersey who does this whole gag about, like, what they called World War One the Great War, but what if they had called it World War One? You'd be like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you got a sequel planned? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, wasn't, what was the war that ended all wars? Was that the Civil War? Yeah. That, was, that, that was the first World War. Yeah. Well, I think it looks okay, so excited. Now he's, now he's like, listen, my drunk brother friend, come with me because we're going to fucking kill you. And if it sounds great, pal, 
and they heads off with him. Yeah, but the count does clarify later that he sobered the the brother got sobered off up before oh, really? they shot him. Yeah. <laughs> they said, you the shot my like, brother. He's like, I waited till he sobered up and I gave him a head start. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That is fair when you have to get the most dangerous game. One drunk brother. <laughs> Two sobered up. Okay. Hi, I don't even know you, but I want to be sexually charged, so I'm scared. Uh, now he's like, where's my brother? I can't find my brother. Oh, well, he's like, all right, fair enough. All right. They colorize that flame yellow. Oh, I know. It's so fucking distracting. You can see the zeros and ones as it moves. This uncanny, like, how does a candle of light work? Well, let's let's use computer animation to the colorization. <laughs> this was colorized twice, once in nineties, uh, but then the the technology super improved, and it's public domain. So they did it again in two thousand. Public seven. domain, and once it's, it's public technology. domain, you can do whatever the fuck you want with it. You yeah, including us. Turn up the sound. Oh, all right. Yeah, crank it up. <laughs> all we're hearing is my creaky chair throughout the broadcast. It's been amazing. We spent so much time and money to do our show, and all we hear is my fucking chair. So they darken... Oh, it's just a rat. No big deal. They darken <laughs> their great game's um, coloring to make them look men- menacing. Right. Their coats. And they film them either at a low angle or a high angle to be menacing. Walking down. By the uh, way, this was filmed before the ratings board. Oh, yeah. I think, it, yeah, it was called the Haze Code. So they're wearing relatively little clothing. Yeah, he's not wearing pants. Films. They think this is, yeah, you see her cleavage? Yeah. You see he's not yeah. wearing pants? So this would not be reissued in the 40s when they planned to. They're like, nah, a little too much well, skin. Well, because of Fay Ray's cleavage? Yeah. Creepy. Yeah. Do you know what this means? He loves paper mache. <laughs> so they found the dungeon, like where they let off the brother. The trophy room. That's correct, Mike. That's right. You saw this film. I've seen this film, yeah. I'm very familiar with this movie. I like this film. It's one hour long, and it just packs as much action as possible and talking bullshit. It really does move quick. As a matter of fact, so quick that, like, the ship's sinking, ah, that was ancient history. You I know, know I don't even remember it. never brought up again. Well, the pacing is great because it's basically one long chase scene, but they have to have a talk about the philosophy, and they have to, like, uh, you know, there's a lot more set pieces. So surprise, oh, my God, hits his feet. Dead. Hey, do you ever, like, when you ever go and you have to, uh, and I, I, I all due respect, they say, we're here for you to identify the body. Do you, like, lift up the uh, sheet and go, those are feet. And like, Mr. Yeah, right. <laughs> His head are feet. Uh, what, what did you guys do? His head My never head looked this way. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Help, that's, uh, uh, Mr. Carl. Excuse me, Carl. <laughs> that's okay. I could be. People um, are always like that. Like, you only go by one name. Like, it's no secret. Oh, yeah. Help, I don't know. Mr. Help, that's his feet. Oh, yeah, look at the other end. <laughs> I was at this place called um, 
on 14th Street in New York City. It was a Friday night. I got introduced as, um, gosh, well, I can't remember the place's name. Otto Shrunken Head is the club. And they introduced me. He goes by one name like Cher, like Sting, whatever I got. And I was like, I don't go by one name like Cher. I go by one name like Ralph. Yeah, right. It's Carl. <laughs> My favorite are comedians who put like a jokey Facebook name as their f- Facebook name. And then mm-hmm. for the rest of their uh, comedy career, as it were, they're always brought up by it. They're like, hey, we give yeah. it up to Carly. And you're yeah, like, yeah, I was. I've been that too. Yeah. <laughs> Are you brought uh, up so as Carl E. Howe? Jokes to Carl, right? Uh-huh. At Gmail. Yeah. yeah. And so every time I play this uh, youth hostel in New York, uh, the guy always goes, Jokes by Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, Jokes by Carl. And I keep telling him every show. That you have no like jokes. Once every six months. Yeah, I just Carl, just Carl. Carl, I have no jokes. <laughs> yeah, well, I can. Okay, right now, what the count is saying is you and me together. You're the greatest hunter ever. You write all your books and everything. You and me will hunt men together. And he's like, you're sick. I do have to admit, I like, I like that the count doesn't immediately make him game. He's like, join me. That's right. Yeah. You and me, I, only you could appreciate this is the most deadliest game, man. Why do you keep saying deadliest? Uh, dangerous, excuse me. And I mean... You know what? Yeah. I'm going to put it on a little... I'm writing it down. I'm just going to have it here. Here, I, I drew you a Venn diagram. Da- dangerous games. Can, deadly games are dangerous, but dangerous a games are circle. not... Da- <laughs> so... A deadly game could be dangerous, but a dangerous game might not be deadly. No, I just wrote dangerous. I will never say deadly again. <laughs> oh, I just said it. Okay. Look, he's pretending to be freaked out. The most dangerous gamer girl. You know, when I play... Um, play... Is... Oh, go ahead, please. Oh, well, I was going to move on. Finish your thought. Oh, when I play PlayStation, I use my wife's name. Uh-huh. Which is Spiegel yeah. Mama. And, uh, <laughs> so, not Mania. Spiegel Mama. Spiegel not Mama. So it looks like there's a female gamer playing. Okay, go ahead. That's you all. get all these likes. By the way. I was going to say this film made money. It, it, uh, they spent like 200 grand on it, and it made 70 grand, which in today's money should be a million, a million two. Dollars. So. And the budget was... Uh, Ammo and a daytime admission into the uh, wildlife reserve. Mm-hmm. Did they pay for the animals they kill? Uh, no animals were harmed in the making of this. Annoyed, yes. I mean, they painted their coats and filmed them menacingly. Right. Only humans were shot in the making of this film. So now he's like, okay, if you won't join me, you can become my next. Game, hunt, you know. And if I'm you, going to send you on the hunt. You make it to on, the perimeter of my estate. Can you bring in the Sunday paper? The, deli- the Here's paper a knife. Boy. Yeah. That's not a knife. That's <laughs> nice. In case the paper boy has a bigger knife, here's a... Yeah. Make sure the color supplement is included. And make sure my neighbor doesn't take the paper again. So she runs out, and the Count's like, why didn't you shut the door? It's chilly. <laughs> what, are you bored of the bard, Feyre? 
He really looks like a Caucasian Ivan there. It's so unsettling. I mean, it's whiteface. He's in the movie, but it's just like this is how the only way he could get in. Well, that's what I was trying to say before. It's so ironic that he made a black film company to have serious portrayals of black people because he was a part of, he wasn't the problem, but he was part of it. He would always do caricatures of like, in, in King Kong, he's like, I'm a native, you know, uh, the fake yeah, that native. Yeah, that movie does not do. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's, see here. I, so one of my favorite movies is It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. And if you listen yeah. to the commentary track, they have a historian. And there's a really fascinating story. At the end of the movie, uh, all the main characters fly off a, a, a ladder. And uh, they all land in various places in this town square. And the town square has a statue of Lincoln. And Eddie Rochester mm-hmm. from the Jack Benny show lands in Lincoln's hands. And the joke is the statue looks down at him. The historian uh-huh. says that that wasn't Eddie Rochester that flew, who did the stunt. It was a white uh, stuntman in blackface. And oh. There was an African-American uh, stuntman there who said, well, why can't I do it? Well, why aren't there's black stuntmen? And that guy went on to, because of that incident in some mad, 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 mad world, went on to start a uh, black uh, stuntman organization in Hollywood uh-huh. to actually have black actors do the stunts for black actors, black stuntmen. Gotcha. So, but yeah, because that scene always looked, I mean, it's a little off-putting to have like Rochester land in the arms of Lincoln and Lincoln looks at him. That, you know, that always kind of threw me off, but it threw me off enough that I didn't realize it wasn't even Rochester. All right, so here we are in a fully colored lush. Yeah, God bless colorization. So what he's doing is he's like, I'm the greatest hunter ever, don't worry. So I'm gonna make a trap. Just a little more of this. An easy downhill yeah, going. I love this trap. Don't be safe. Okay, I'm gonna place this Playboy right here next to this pack of cigarettes. Nearby, I will have a net. They're like, she, she is not safe, but the guy's like, we do not hunt the female gender. But why is she you with take her? But she's gonna get shot, right? I mean, no are, was so sure. are they gonna shoot at her? This island's no bigger than a well, park. Yeah, they're gonna shoot at her, absolutely. So what he's saying right now is, no wonder he knew he could catch us. It's as small as a deer park, this place. But then there's a waterfall later, and the internet says there's so much pressure on that waterfall, it couldn't be from a small place. Oh, is okay, that how waterfalls work? <laughs> big deal. I got ripped off. My timeshare is a scam then, because they promised yep. me. Yeah. Oh, right. They had before they the cat let him go. They had to listen to an hour long uh, timeshare pitch. <laughs> yeah. They, then, the then, then dinner came. The most dangerous pitch. <laughs> you make money. Let me show you how. Okay, so he says, you see how this tree is leaning against that thing? Uh-huh. I will make it a trap, and when the guy hits the release pin, it'll fall on him and crush him. And let's take the trap off before they shoot King Kong. We don't want the other actors to get hurt. Now, he only has until dawn. To prove his point? What, like, oh, right, so the Count says, you know, if I shoot you, I win. And he's like, well, right. what if you don't shoot me? What do I win? He's like, I never had a, a 
I never lost. I never lost. But you can have your freedom. Aww. See these movies. Now he's, yeah. He's he's. He's placed the trap. She was about to walk into it, and he goes, "Oh, silly brained female, do not cross this." He says, "Wrong way, Fay Ray." Fay Ray, wrong way. You think that's her real name? Something's coming. I haven't screamed in minutes. Oh my gosh, does he scream? Like I'm gonna have the volume up on this one. There's the count. But the, Faye she will scream now. They're supposed to be quiet. They're gonna hide in a cave. She's gorgeous, Faye Ray. She? Yeah. Faye Ray? She is. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting story, as you know, King Kong was remade by uh the Toro, was it? Like no, no, it was Peter Jackson who remade it. And the original King Kong was about 85 minutes, and he made it into like a three-hour film. And he Do you won... mean the Jeff Bridges? No, that Jeff the... Bridges one was 76. I'm thinking more okay. of like 2000s or uh, early 2000s. Peter Jackson made a... It has like Jack Black as a photographer, as a cameraman. Oh, right, I saw that, yeah. There's like a weird rape scene, I think, in there. It's been a while since I've seen it. Oh, by the way, I meant to bring that up because every movie you choose... Oh, Winds up having look, a rape scene. He's no dummy. Oh, I shoot your rope. Uh, um, Waste of an error. What he says is only after the thrill of the hunt is the ecstasy of love fully realized, implying that he is going to rape Fay Ray after he kills her. Oh. Uh... So that's your connection. Thank you, Mike. You've oh, done you, you're it again. I, I was looking for a 1930s film that encouraged uh, forced nec uh, necrophilia. <laughs> there is no Star Trek connection. I didn't even look long oh, and hard. This is like this every episode of Star Trek. They're stuck on an island and they have to escape. He fought the Zorn, which was like this. Yeah. Also, that arrow we saw that was shot right in front of them, that's, that's not CGI. I mean, they shot a fucking arrow in front of the actors. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not only did they shoot this film, they shot that arrow. Yeah. To my heart. <laughs> Mike, oh, you shoot that back poison to the old arrow. When you used to sing, that oh, was great. Yeah. <laughs> I was the professional we sang together. I, cl I came up with that. <laughs> no, we sang, you sang Tainted Love. Oh, yes. Carl and I, uh, we have. What a was the name of that cafe? So, uh, well, uh, Carl and I had a public access television show in New Jersey in the early 90s, and we do have it on a YouTube channel. It's called Fish Burgers. And <laughs> one of our highlights was that we took a bunch of love songs, and every time they used the word love, we replaced it with drugs. Right. What I did, can't regret, for won't drugs. forget <laughs> what I did for her drug. What I but, did. But, Mike, you sang. In, it was called Something Different, that cafe in Yes, Montclair. that's right, that's right. And I right. played the guitar while you sang so, Tainted Love. Love. Right, but we did that straight. Okay. No, you changed it to drugs, I think. I think I just sang it like very angrily in a very young man's voice. <laughs> yeah, that was, right. was something good. different. Shithole different. <laughs> well, for that town at that time in the 90s, that club was pretty hopping. It was the best thing. It lasted Montclair a long time. Yeah, Montclair, New Jersey. All right, so here they are. They're speaking of New Jersey. They're fleeing New Jersey. Let's get to Pennsylvania. <laughs> Just like you did. Yeah. You got on Route 80 and you never looked back. 
Damn it, it's a rear projection. <sighs> okay, so what happened is, of course, the track didn't work. He thought they were in the uh, cave. He figured, they guess they weren't. So, therefore... Okay, so now he's going to do another trap. I think so. Whoa. Whoa. Now, people paid a lot of good money to see a cliffhanger that resolves itself within the film. <laughs> like, um... That um, what's his name? Who did Rocky? Uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone's movie. Yeah, he had a movie called Cliffhanger. Yeah, but it resolved itself. There was and no at sequel. The end of the film, right? The guy was hanging on the cliff. Do you find it ironic that the only fucking film that Sylvester Stallone did that didn't have fucking eighteen sequels to it was called Cliffhanger? <laughs> he actually did other ones that didn't have sequels. He did this arm wrestling movie. Over the top. He did a lot of fists. I wouldn't call them flops, but a fist over the top. There was, I guess, you're right. Nighthawks or night moves. Night the Hawks. one where he's a police officer from the past in the future. Oh, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, and also uh, Wesley Snipes was in it. He did oh lots yeah, Demolition Man, of course. He did lots of. One I mean, we know him for Rambo and Rocky, and that will always and the Creeds. be the Yeah. I have Creed too. Yeah, they're I still that out. doing sequels of Rocky, right? No, it's such a ripoff. I do think Sylvester Stallone is like a big ripoff artist. Like, every time I go see one of his films, I literally feel ripped off. Like, why did I get suckered into seeing Rambo 5? <laughs> what what did I do? Lame. I remember watching, like, Rocky Balboa, Rocky 5. And yeah. halfway during it, I'm like, I got suckered in again. I just can't believe it. What's wrong <laughs> with me? And I really do love Creed, and I love the director and the star, and I think they make great movies mm -hmm. together. But I just get fucking suckered into it. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to watch Creed 2. It's the same bullshit. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I still haven't seen Creed 2 just for that reason. No, like, I'm, I'm watching it me. because of that reason. I'm kind of giving in. <laughs> so... He didn't fall for the second trap that he made, this great, great hunter. Uh, okay, listen. now what's happening is they're heading into the swamp uh, because that will make it so that he can't rifle them. And they only have a few hours till, uh, of, like half an hour till dawn or something. He's almost, they're going to make it. You're interesting. So he thinks, ha-ha, you are... Think you're outsmarting me, but I have great Danes who are really ferocious. Here he is. Calls Here's out the dog. Dinner time. <laughs> Chuck wagon. By the way, that trumpet sound we heard in the beginning of the film, so that was a foreshadow to this moment. Yeah, by the way, happy Jewish New Year. To fill up. <laughs> 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 it's a ram's horn. Shana Tova! Oh my god, it's already New Year's. A week and we have to fast. This movie's gone to the dogs. Right, literally. Okay, so now he's making a spear. Uh huh. That I've... will, you know, somebody in the dark will not, in the, in the fog, won't see. Oh, they'll walk and right they'll into it. run up and get stabbed. The color yeah. is Asian guys like I'm gonna add blood. Fuck you, I'm adding blood. It's gonna squirt now, out red blood. Now here comes our white face guy, and he's the one who will end up being stabbed by the. Oh bike. no! 
His dying words, I could always speak. Remember that time Will Smith showed up at that dinner party in white face? Oh my god! What, what movie are you talking about? Uh, no, he wasn't. No. Oh, I guess not. It was, uh, what was it? Whoopi Goldberg and oh, you the guy from Cheers. Yeah, was in blackface. he was in blackface. Come on, it was just a joke! There's a great documentary called Better Get, uh, Get Bruce. And it's about Bruce Valanche and how he... Uh, one of the things they show is how he writes jokes for the Academy Awards for the hosts. Mm-hmm. And one of the most fascinating things is Whoopi Goldberg took full uh, blame for the Ted Danzig blackface. And when uh-huh. she works with Bruce Valanche, anything like any joke that goes wrong or anything that, that uh, backfires, she takes right. full credit for it. She won't uh-huh. like let her writer get the blame for it or any of that type of thing. So even her then boyfriend, she said it was my idea. Yeah, I told them to do it. Interesting. Okay, here comes the poor spike and stab. Oh, I should have never gone on the hunt. I'm more. My job is to take care of the castle. Why did I go on the hunt? Wow, these are great. He's dogs. a Cossack, that Ivan. Um, so you were talking about other films that bit off of this concept, yeah. and I have. Okay, so. Gilligan's Island, Lost in Space, Get right. Smart, Fantasy Island, Slave Girls from Beyond Infinity, yes. Predator. Predator, that's a great one, right? They're, they they just spend they're stuck in the forest fighting, getting hunted. Mm-hmm. Man, the most annoying game. So they would film King Kong during the day, and then they come here at night and film this film. On Skull Island. On, uh, yeah. Bark, bark, bark. One of the great things about King Kong is they wanted that ape because they were going to bring him on Broadway. (laughs) But they do in the movie, right? Yeah, no, they do. And it's a total disaster. He escapes. But, I mean, like, would you go see that in 1930? Like, hey, Carl, I got tickets to Broadway. They're going to have an ape. Like a... I guess I would if it was a gigantic ape and I would get in my tuxedo and have a night out. <laughs> they all are in their tuxedo to see a giant ape <laughs> on. And for your amusement, a chain giant ape on stage for exactly four minutes. Oh, this is well worth it. Hey, now guys, show- pay attention. It took two weeks to get this ape across the sea. Yeah, for you to see four minutes of. An <laughs> ape. Chained to a uh, stage, so they're shooting these at, at at dangerous angles to show that these dogs, these lovely dogs, are killers. Well, yeah, at low angles and high angles, never straight on. But I think we saw them run through the marsh, kind of straight on. But that's what the they claim. Well, the dogs and are this such guy Shoshak, Shodinsak, he would use a stopwatch. Uh, he would use a stopwatch when they were shooting each individual film so it would move along. And if it was like too long, like 38 seconds instead of 30, he'd say, no, 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 let's do it again. A huh. little quicker, please. Well, I mean, it's a super tight film. Yeah, the um, trophy room stuff, apparently there's a lot of footage of gross things that were just cut because it was too slow. Yeah. I think that's... Now, here's something creepy. You know the Zodiac Killer. Uh Uh-huh. Sure, I am the Zodiac Killer. I know him well. (laughs) Yeah. You you also know that... What was it? Uh, 
uh, you know, the real name of the, you remember his dog wouldn't shut up? Son of Sam? Son you know of that David Berkowitz. Yeah, you yeah. know him. Um, so on the letters that the Zodiac Killer wrote to uh, the newspaper, for, like brag and stuff, he would yeah. reference this movie. Oh, because he's hunting the most dangerous game. Yeah, area residents. BS, because he would go up to somebody with a gun and shoot them. It's not the same thing. You have to invite them to dinner in your castle first. Right. You have, you have to explain the premise. Now, the internet says there's no way that this sort of a raging waterfall and river could be on a teeny, teeny island. Now, that dog so just care? got thrown into the water. He's okay? Uh, yes, he was annoyed and irritated, but not hurt. Huh. The most annoyed dog. <laughs> no animals were harmed. Just awfully pissed off. You know, nowadays, the most dangerous game would just probably be some awful TV show in Viceland. You know, yeah. like on Travel Network. Okay, so we're getting to the end now. Yay! And they're trapped at a cliff. And a dog, he's a Great Dane is attacking him. And you know Great Danes are nice, so really he's like, give me a hug. <laughs> Look at Faye Ray's all her emoting. Uh, we, we haven't listened to her scream yet. Yeah, I know. Oh, he stabbed the yeah. dog. Dog stabber. Okay, you didn't want that dog. Next dog. Uh, Another dog. Let's do the same thing all over again. That dog on dog is mine. Oh, I'm running out of dogs. He's so happy. Get it the works. cats. Get the girl. For my pleasure. Oh, so they just finally grab her. Oh. She's been emoting. Oh. oh. Non-silent picture, lady. He made it. That was one of the things he was saying when they went into the swamp. You'll see. I'll still make He did make it. Minutes before dawn, he wins in the most dangerous game. The most. Ah! It's real life Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> the next day. They went back to their painting of a castle. <laughs> I love those old map paintings. Sing me This a guy here is uh got some noteworthy. Steve Clemente is he's playing Tartar. Uh-huh. He's Mexican. He was in The Secret Man. Yeah, we don't uh, talk about that movie. He came to Hollywood to put on a nice demonstration for a disbelieving director. He was trusted to throw knives in movies that had to and, and land an inch or two away from celebrities. Right. He was always right on target. He had developed a good reputation for stunts. He was known as a, a scene stealer and was famous for his villainous snar. He does not steal um, any scenes in this movie. I barely remember him. He was in King Kong and uh-huh. the sequel, Son of Kong. Of course he was. Of course he was. Son of Kong. Now, look who should come through the door. What a surprise. Yeah, the fucking guy can't hear it. By the way, that he's not playing the piano. Some famous pianist at uh, the recording... Huh. We should listen because he's like, I congratulate you. Yikes, this is awkward. My dear yeah. Rainsford, I congratulate you. <laughs> Look how his his mouth, you know, he's paralyzed one side of his mouth. Oh, he's, he's frowning me. more on one side. 
Not yet. Oh, but of course I insist. We, uh, no heart, no offense, right? Why Kiss and make up. I don't think he was using you're the guy even who's using stopwatch in this thing. You hit the dog, not me. I took a chance and went over with him. Then I got a haircut. A clever trick, Rainsford. I abandoned I the girl and went defeat. over with him. I saved the dog, though. Here's the key of the boathouse. Ah. The door is in the trophy room. You and Miss Trowbridge may leave at once. Uh. Oh, got a Luger, German Luger. Uh oh. oh. The most, the most dangerous gun. I think there was like a can opener back in the day. Like, oh, our master shot uh, us food. <laughs> oh, this fighting is awesome. Did they speed it up or what the fuck? Yes, they do. And also, when he was fighting the Great Dane at the waterfall, they were speeding it up, too. Yeah, so you can't see the stuffed animal dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to punch your kidneys until the, one of them pops out. A rabbit punch. Is that what it's called when you punch someone's kidneys? Yeah, it's a rabbit punch. It's a boxing no-no. It is a no-no. It's, it's uncalled for. It's unsportsmanlike. Uh-oh, speaking of sport, you never He's shoot got arrows. His arrow. Never shoot your bow and arrow indoors. It's so tacky. It's so loud, right? Foomp. <laughs> Foomp. Do you see how they he pretend broke his spine? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? He's laying there like... I'm... It's a classic wrestling move. Look how fast the camera's going. Do you think Hawkeye shoots uh, indoors? Like when he's home? <laughs> Jeffrey no. Renier. Yeah, we right. Just, I just put up a school trip with uh, Max Headroom and uh, oh, yeah. Hawkeye. Oh, you mean National Lampoon Senior Trip? National yeah, Lampoon. that was good, man. And that's with the teenage Jeremy Remmer. I love that movie because Jeremy Remmer has such gravitas. Every time he's on the screen, <laughs> he's either like the most important person in the room or some type of yep. shit like that. And then his and first film. His first film, he's like a he's like Paulie Shore. Yeah. He had, and what's funny is when he's in Avengers, he is not the most important person in the oh, room. Oh, no. I mean, come on. Like, the Avengers, he's he, he shows up as, like, a brainwashed villain for, like, the first 40 minutes or whatever. That's, yep. how you, that's how you get introduced to him. I don't know who you were before you were hypnotized, so who gives a shit? Now, they're getting away in their boat. Are they, though? But, yeah, but the Count is going to have the last, last laugh here. Here he goes. Twunk. Look at that colorized. colorized. I know, it's so tacky. I love it. But I otherwise, love it. I wouldn't want to sit through this movie if it wasn't colorized. But why why would he do he it? He was going to shoot the arrow, and he couldn't. Because? That's usually not the way it works in movies. Usually, they he's going to shoot the arrow, and they do something. Or they miss, or it hits, but he happens to have a arrow bomb or some shit like that. Yup. Oh, no. Evil colorized Great Dane. What happened? He just gave up? The ghost ah. left him? He was going to kill him a second ago, and now he just drops out the window. He's too cut up. He's lost too much blood. Radio pictures. Which we don't is get ironic, it. right? Right, because it's a movie, radio, and the cast of no characters. No radio. So who, Noble Johnson, Ivan. Yep. Steve that was Clemente. I, yeah. 
Well, he well, was Tartar. Very tartar. good. Well, that was the most dangerous game from 1932 or 33? Yes. 32. I think it's, oh, I think it's 32. I'm not sure, yeah, and but, I should be sure. Well, I'm no, we, it's early 30s. Uh, I love this sure movie. Is. I think it's one of the best movies ever made. Terrific. Yeah. Sorry, no shitty movies, but I <laughs> we guarantee a shitty movie on our next episode. I'm not Absolutely. going to reveal the movie until the feed is fixed. What? Because I, I'm hoping I'll, I'll get your recording and you can post this on YouTube and people can will publicize it. But I, I, I'm not picking a movie until I know that the these episodes are, are being posted on our feed. Okay. Because it's a standalone episode until we get the feed fixed. But <laughs> okay. we appreciate your patience, everybody, on this. And uh, I've, I've seen the numbers and we're doing fine. Great. Uh, yeah. So. Hmm. Fine. Uh, that didn't sound glowing. We're we, doing fine. We have like fourteen thousand downloads a month uh, on our feed, and then directly from the station, it's like eleven thousand for the month, which is pretty low. Okay. All right. It's fine. It's fine. It's still thousands, <laughs> ten thousands. That's not that low. Let's blame the feed. Let's blame the feed. I blame society and the feed. <laughs> Society, um, dude. You're just a bored, rich, white suburban kid. Ah, this is a Repo Man reference. Yeah, yeah. I hope that's on YouTube. Let's get let's buy sushi and not pay. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> let's do crime. What was the line where like Otto Otto gets the car and they're partying at the depot, and yeah. uh, they say, "Hey, uh, your wife's with Otto," and uh, the boss goes, "Yeah, like flies on shit." <laughs> <laughs> John Wayne was a. This is that was a good film. Yeah, the hell you say. I, I was one of the first movies where I just knew every single line. I just knew yeah. everything. Here's your first paycheck. Uh, uh-uh, no way. Emilio Estevez. Yeah, Otto. Uh, Remember they? He went to get uh, some food, and there was that No Frills brand right it's a, that said food, and he's eating it at the house. <laughs> My favorite is I watched the movie and I watched the commentary at the end where they attack the guard and they, they hit the spray that's on his belt. And yeah. like, that wasn't intentional. The guy just did it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. So he actually did get uh, sprayed by those cans. So Coffee well, break. There you go. So ladies and gentlemen, most dangerous game. And we end the show with Repo Man Trivia. I uh, want to thank you guys. <laughs> Carl, we can be found by our acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. You can find us on iTunes still. You can find us on YouTube, uh, which I do recommend subscribing. And uh, Twitter with that number. And we're on the Facebook as Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube. And we're on Blogspot with Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube.blogspot.com. Carl, where can people find you? People can find me on uh, carl.sucks or carlsucks.com. And then you'll see all my upcoming shows, which is one. (laughs) Ooh. Woohoo. And I I would say you guys follow me on Twitter, spiegelmania.com. And uh, I'm going to be in the new issue of Savage Henry Independent Times Humor Magazine from Ah. Humboldt County. I've been a contributor for a few years. and uh, Very nice. The new issue is coming up. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you for watching and listening and and viewing the movie with us, watching the film with us. We're going to get out of here. Uh, Carl, thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. Please please text me what's the next thing. I will. I will. The next day. You'll, You'll get it by tomorrow for sure. 
Okay. All right. Excellent. But not you, audience. See you later. See you next time, audience. Bye. Bye. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Eagleman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Eagleman. It's been Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. Uh, Dan Frank. Dan Frank? He already we went. He was the guy from twice? Albany. He was great. I have got to get better at hosting. Hang on one moment while Charity... Sorry? McHenry? Is there a McHenry? Ah. Sorry, what was the name? Jacob McHenry. Jacob McHenry. All right. I promise the next intro will be smoother. Jacob McHenry, everybody. I got that legendary. They call it Bubbleberry. Pounds at the house, and I ain't talking about brown. All right. I was watching TV earlier today. Uh saw the show it's called uh top 10 wild animal attacks uh, caught on camera i'm not sure if any of you guys have seen this uh but if you have let me know if you noticed this uh wild animals don't seem to like uh white people at all man <laughs> they don't i started noticing a disturbing pattern every video was a white dude being viciously mauled by an apex predator Sharks, grizzly bears, lions. Lions is when I started connecting the dots because they live in a place surrounded by black people. But you can't find one video online of a black person being attacked by a lion, which makes me think these animals are white people. We are gathered here tonight to pay tribute to our Lord. 
Tell me that there's danger to this land you call your own And you watch them build the war machines right beside your home And you tell me that you're ready to go marching to the war Oh, I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? Before you pack your rifle and sail across the sea just think upon the southern part of land that you call free. Oh, there's many kinds of slavery, and we found many more. Yes, I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? And before you walk out on your job and answer to the call, just think about the millions who have no job at all. And the men who wait for handouts with their eyes upon the floor. I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? Turn on your TV, turn it on so loud. And watch the fool is smiling there and tell me that you're proud. And listen to your radio, the noise it starts to pour. Oh, I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? Read your morning papers, read every single line. And tell me if you can believe that simple world you find. Read every slanted word till your eyes are getting sore. I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? And listen to your leaders, the ones that won the race. As they stand right there before you and lie into your face. If you ever try to buy them, you know what they stand for. I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? Put ragged clothes upon your back and sleep upon the ground. And tell police about your rights as they drag you down. And ask them as they lead you to some deserted door. Yes, I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? But the hardest thing I'll ask you, if you will only try, is take your children by their hands and look into their eyes. And there you'll see the answer you should have seen before. If you'll win the wars at home, there'll be no fighting anymore.
review with roman today it's friday january 3rd 2020 thanks so much for tuning in we are broadcasting live from mutiny radio we're in san francisco we're on ohlone land and one way to learn more about the land that we're on is if you go to ramitush.com and that's r-a-m-a-y-t-u-s-h.com you can learn about the history of the land and oh, i was planning on uh playing more records on the show we've got two great record players here i appreciate vinyl and so i was i went to the library this week and picked up a couple albums and it's like oh i'll play some vinyl and then uh it looks like we're heading into world war three so ended up starting with uh, a few anti-war songs that i played on the show before at least the first two and for i mean it's so disturbing how they don't seem to age. I mean, you can exchange the names and some of the folks they call out. However, the attitudes are the same. And this, it's fucking disgusting is what it is. So I'll be playing some more anti-war songs throughout the program. And I will, I picked up the debut album from the B-52s, which I thought would be a good way to start the year. So I, I will see about playing at least one song from the album, maybe two, later on. But I did feel like I wanted to at least comment musically on the situation that's happening. And I thought back to 2003 and just how much how many anti-war protests there were. I was in New York at the time. I remember the streets were flooded, hundreds of thousands at the very least. Uh, people were there and again it's the majority of the world does not want this to happen and no matter what we do the powers that be they don't care they want to still start shit and they're not the ones who suffer for it and it's fucking exhausting and this comes from a very I come from a very privileged place where I'm not the one who's being attacked right now Australia is on fire. 
to believe there's a big flooding flooding i think in indonesia the wealth disparity continues to grow uh yeah it, it's a pretty fucking scary time i will be reading some news articles throughout the program and i also wanted to share more music and also oh, share action items that folks can take because it is times like these i mean i feel like pretty much always it does feel if one is paying attention to what's happening and also remembering to question and ignore and push back against the narrative by corporate media that is, has always been very pro-war and to share the, a, a narrative for the people and so i'm wanting to promote those voices and i'll do what i can over the next couple hours to put the word out there I was on, I've been on Twitter a lot lately because I've been off Facebook and I know there, Twitter has its issues, of course. However, reading articles and hearing perspectives from folks who are anti-war is so refreshing and validating and it's shocking how one has to kind of seek it out in a way. And it's not that there aren't a lot of us, it's that many of us don't have access to sharing our opinions. And with the newspapers always being pro-war, it's important to push back against that. <sighs> it's it's disgusting. It really is. And it's frightening. <sighs> I'm gonna be sighing a lot. I have a I have a feeling I'll be sighing a lot. And it's it's not to take away from a lot of the organizing that is happening. Um but just need to comment on it. I did want to share, I did mention action items, and that's one thing that has made me feel better throughout the years when I'm feeling particularly depressed. One thing that's super helpful is helping other people. Uh, however that looks, it's reaching out to help somebody else. That always works. And something else is, is taking action, especially politically. And I do feel like helping one another is a form of taking action as well. There is a Twitter feed that I follow, at uh, Vets About Face, and it's uh, Veterans Against the War, and a little, you can find more information on their website, aboutfaceveterans.org, and it makes me think also about, there's this great documentary called Sir No Sir, that's about Vietnam veterans, or, or folk troops in, who are in Vietnam who had a resistance and like fought back and refused to fight. And I saw it many years ago, and I just got it out from the library again because I wanted to see it again. And I feel like that's a big thing is a way for troops and veterans to organize and refuse to fight. And I wanted to share that, and perhaps I will play a clip from that in the program. It's also free, I believe, online. I watched it online for free many years ago, and it might still be available. So didn't quite prepare so much today. However, I have a lot of ideas of things I want to share with all you listeners out there, so I'll, I'll get what I can. Okay. So, moving along, I, I, prom I didn't promise anything. I never promised anything. I did mention action items, so I'm going to get to that. I'm pulling up the information right now, and 
the Answer Coalition has shared many events that are happening around the world, anti-war protests that are happening on Saturday, which would be tomorrow, January 4th. Starting off the, uh, starting off the new year, continuing to protest. I'm also waking up here a bit. I've had a bit of a, a sore throat, so I've been drinking a lot of tea, so I'm not quite as caffeinated as I usually am. And that's all right. There's a, let's see here, moving along. Also, I mean, this is just really bad news, is that even in New York, they've been talking about uh, protecting New York City locations from <sighs> Iran and they say terrorist allies and in doing so it's seen as a preemptive attack on anti-war protests when you add, when you add more military and more police in they have notoriously been against protests and it's just a full-on militarization and it doesn't keep anybody safe so here are the list. It took me a while to get to this. You can find it also at answercoalition.org. All out, Saturday, January 4th, National Day of Action. And I'll read the statement from Answer Coalition. The Trump administration and Pentagon have moved to start a war with Iran by assassinating Qasem Soleimani, a top military leader of that country. If Iran openly assassinated a top UN, US general and bragged about it, there is no question that the United States would initiate full-scale war. Trump and the Pentagon have acted illegally and in violation of the Constitution, the War Powers Act, and international law. And I'm gonna say even Besides the fact that it's illegal, like it's not moral, and I w wish the conversation would would go more towards what's the what is moral and ethical and the right thing to do, as opposed to simply saying, "Oh, well, it's illegal." I mean, there's a lot of illegal things that are actually good and helpful. There are certain drugs, for instance, that are classified as illegal that actually save people's lives. So. I think steering away from the idea of, because some, sometimes there are things that are illegal or, or good, and sometimes there are things that are legal that are bad. There are landlords that can, uh, I'm thinking of uh, the criminalization of poverty in particular, and how many laws there are in the books here in California where it's legal for cops and Department of Public Works to harass unhoused folks. and. It, that somehow is is legal, and folks have been fighting against that. However, the idea that something's legal doesn't make it right. That's a very long way, roundabout way of putting it. And I'll go back to this, and just wanted to add my my two cents in there. The targeted assassination and murder of a central leader of Iran is designed to initiate a new war unless the people of the United States rise up and stop it. This war will engulf the whole region and could quickly turn into a global conflict of unpredictable scope and potentially the gravest consequences. The Pentagon High Command is recklessly bragging about this illegal targeted assassination in the most crude and false manner. <sighs> 
This strike was aimed at deterring future Iranian attack plans, stated the lying generals. They know that the objective of the strike is just the opposite. They want a war with Iran, a country of more than 80 million people. Trump wants it too because he thinks it will guarantee his re-election in 2020. For all who believe in peace, for all who are opposed to yet another catastrophic war, now is the time to take action. On Saturday, January 4th, in cities across the country, there will be protests against a new war in the Middle East and calling for the withdrawal of all U.S. troops and bases in the region. Uh, so there's a partial list right now of endorsers, including Answer Coalition, Code Pink, Popular Resistance, Veterans for Peace, World Beyond War, Voices for Creative Nonviolence, American-Iranian Friendship Committee, United Anti-War Coalition, Dorothy Day Catholic Worker in D.C., Minnesota Peace Action, Labor for Palestine, Jews for Palestinian Right of Return, Pierre Labossiere, Haiti Action Network, Sam Samodun, Palestinian Prisoners Solidarity Network, Reverend Graylin Hagler, Senior Minister, Plymouth Congregational Church in Washington, D.C., Maine WTR Resource Center, Hilton Head for Peace. Initiators for this call include the Answer Coalition, Code Pink, Popular Resistance, World Beyond War, and many other anti-war and peace organizations. If you want to add your name as an endorser, they have a link that you can click on. Demonstrations will take place on Saturday, January 4th in the following cities. At the White House in D.C., 12 noon. Chicago, Illinois, 12 noon at Trump Tower. Los Angeles, and that's initiated by Answer Chicago. Los Angeles, California, 1 p.m. at Pershing Square, initiated by Answer Los Angeles. New York City, 11 a.m. at Times Square, initiated by Answer New York. San Francisco, here in San Francisco, noon at Powell and Market, and that's initiated by Answer San Francisco. Miami, Florida, 1 p.m. at Torch of Friendship, 301 Biscayne Boulevard, initiated by Code Pink. Berlin, Germany, 1 p.m. at Brandenburger Tour, um, slash Pariser Plots. Albuquerque, New Mexico, 2 p.m. at Kirtland Air Force Base, San Mateo and Gibson Boulevard, initiated by Answer New Mexico. Arlington, Massachusetts, 12 noon at Broadway Plaza, Mass Ave and Medford Street, initiated by Arlington United for Justice with Peace. Seattle, Washington, 2 p.m. at Westlake Park, initiated by Answer Seattle. Minneapolis, Minnesota, 1 p.m. at Mayday Plaza, initiated by Minnesota Peace Action Coalition. Atlanta, Georgia, 3 p.m. at Little Five Points, initiated by Answer Atlanta. New Haven, Connecticut, 3 p.m. Sunday, January 5th, at Church and Chapel Street, initiated by Answer Connecticut. Portland, Maine, 12 noon at Congress Square Park, initiated by Peace Action, Maine. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 12 noon at Shenley Plaza, initiated by Answer Pittsburgh. Denver, Colorado, 2 p.m. at Colorado State Capitol Building, initiated by Answer Colorado. Boston, Massachusetts, 2 p.m. at Park Street MBTA Station. Sacramento, California, 4 p.m. at Capitol Park. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 12 noon at City Hall, 15th and Market Street. Columbia, South Carolina, 12 noon at the South Carolina State House. San Diego, California, 2 p.m. at the Federal Court Building. Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 12 noon at Lancaster County Prison. Austin, Texas, 11 a.m. at Austin City Hall. Boulder, Colorado, 11 a.m. at Broadway and Canyon. Birmingham, Alabama, 5 p.m. at Five Points South. Cleveland, Ohio, 12 noon at Market Square. El Paso, Texas, 12 noon Friday, January 3rd 
um, which is happening now, at the U.S. Federal Courthouse, Fort Wayne, Indiana, 2 p.m. at Allen County, Courthouse Green, Ithaca, New York, 10 a.m. at the corner of Clinton and Meadow Streets by CVS, Northampton, Massachusetts, 11 a.m. in front of the courthouse on Main Street, San Antonio, Texas, 1 p.m. Sunday, January 5th at the overpass on Walters and 35 on the way to Fort Sam Houston. Santa Monica, California, 2 p.m. at the Santa Monica Promenade. Hopewell, New Jersey, 12 p.m. They don't have a location listed. Davis, California, 11 a.m. at B and 5th Streets. State College, Pennsylvania, 12 noon at Allen Street Gates. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 12 noon at the intersection of 27th and Oklahoma. Madison, Wisconsin, 12 noon at the state capitol. Boise, Idaho, 5 p.m. at Boise City Hall. Las Vegas, Nevada, 10 a.m. at Las Vegas Federal Courthouse, San Jose, California, 3 p.m. at 4th and Santa Clara, Fayetteville, Arkansas, 11 a.m. at Washington County Courthouse, Phoenix, Arizona, 12 noon at Esplanade Center, Dallas, Texas, 3 p.m. at Dealey Plaza, Salt Lake City, Utah, 2 p.m. at Wallace F. Bennett Federal Building, Memphis, Tennessee, 5.30 p.m. today, Friday, January 3rd at the Gazebo at the Cooper Young Intersection, Kennewick, Washington, 1 p.m. at the corner of North Columbia Center Boulevard and West Kinault. And finally, Cincinnati, Ohio, 12 noon at Fountain Square. And they also say to have an event organized in your city listed above. They provide a link. And again, you can find this at answercoalition.org. So there are a lot of rallies happening. And again, this is just one website that, that has shared this. So I'd imagine there's much more that's happening. <coughs> ah. Excuse me. Around the country and around the world. Oh, goodness, goodness gracious. There's a whole list um, of, there's whole, there's like anti-war, there's so many anti-war songs out there. And I wanted to play some new ones. And on Wikipedia, they happen to have, just, oh, just to show how many folks are and artists have been anti-war throughout the ages, they have a list um, per uh, per war or per con conflict, as they're sometimes called, even though they're fucking wars. And it's just ridiculous. The last one I played, the first part of, the quality wasn't so great, and that was my fault. I didn't quite find a... I was trying to do it quickly, and that was Billy Bragg's The Price of Oil. And before that, the song I've played on the show quite a lot was Phil Oakes's uh, What Are You Fighting For? And then before that, Dead Kennedy's Moral Majority with the line ready to go to war with or without Iran. And that's just, uh, 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 frustrated. All right. I'm going to find some more music to play. Um, there's definitely some more news that's happening. And also I'm going to take it easy. So here's a song I haven't heard before. And I thought I would share it here. And it's from Ice-T, and it's called You Should Have Killed Me Last Year. And we'll be back after a few more songs. January 15, 1991. Before I go, I'd like to say a few things. This album was completed on January 15, 1991. By now, the war has probably started, and a whole bunch of people have probably died out there in the desert over some bullshit. There's a war going on right now in my neighborhood, but I can't really determine which one's worse. I think the one that we're all fighting is fucked up, and that's the war inside our brains, you know? But uh, 
I feel bad about all the brothers and sisters getting pulled right out of the neighborhoods, all the cities and small towns in America to go over there and fight for that bullshit that most of them don't really have anything to do with. So I got to send peace out to them. Also, peace out to all my homies in jail, brothers that are dead, locked up right here on Earth. Talking about the brothers in Soledad, San Quentin, all the way up to Pelicans Bay, Tracy, Chino, and all my homeboys out there in the East Coast, lockdown facilities. I'm talking about Clinton, Rikers, Joliet. You know, every prison in the whole fucking world, man. That's like, you know, that's all bullshit, you know. They say slavery has been abolished except for the convicted felon. Y'all need to think about that. That lets you know what the fucking Constitution really is about, you know. A lot of my homeboys have been locked down my whole entire career. And that's some bullshit. So for them, from the Rhyme Syndicate Nice Tea, I'd like to send this special shout out. Fuck the police, fuck the FBI, fuck the DEA, fuck the CIA, fuck Tipper Gore, Bush, and his crippled bitch. This is Ice T. I'm out of here. Told you, you should have killed me last.
I mean, there's so many examples of artists who have spoken out, either in their art or, or just as citizens. I mean, it's possible to speak out in your art, and Joseph Heller did it, and Kurt Vonnegut did it in, in Slaughterhouse-Five. Uh, again, you know, here's the good war, but Kurt Vonnegut writes about the bombing of Dresden in which perhaps 100,000 civilians talk about killing innocent people. 100,000 people die as a result of the British and American bombing raids over Dresden. Now, to write about that uh, and denounce it in nonfiction would have been very, very difficult, uh, again, in that glow of the greatest generation in World War II, a glow which they keep, they keep bringing back to us uh, to make any war that we're going through ennobled by its connection with World War II. But Vonnegut could write fiction about the bombing of Dresden, and a fiction, of course, which was, which was very, very true. During the Vietnam War, artists spoke out in different ways against the war. Robert Lowell, the poet, was invited uh, to the White House, and uh, he refused to come. Arthur Miller, the playwright, uh, was invited to the White House, and he sell, sent a telegram to the White House. Telegram said, when the guns boom, the arts die. The singer, Eartha Kitt, was invited to the Rose Garden. <laughs> you never been to the Rose Garden of the White House? <laughs> there was a sort of, uh, it was one of those lovely social events taking place during the Vietnam War. And Eartha Kitt, who was just supposed to be a singer, just an artist, not paying any attention to the world, raised her voice and said, why are we in Vietnam? It was shocking. Uh, an artist was not supposed to do that. But artists were doing all sorts of things at that time uh, to show that they were citizens and they were thinking outside the boundaries, and that they were tra transcending the given wisdom. There was a, an artist named Seymour Chwast who did a poster which was reproduced and reproduced and reproduced all over. It was a very simple poster. And just said, war is good for business. Invest your son. There was great music during the, that was brought forth during the Vietnam era by artists who insisted on not just uh, not just being artists and musicians, but who was so moved by what was going on in the world, they had to say something. And so uh, Bob Dylan uh, wrote his song, Masters of War. I'll just read a little of it. I'm certainly not going to sing it. <laughs> Come, you masters of war, you that build the big guns, you that build the death planes, you that build all the bombs, you that hide behind walls, you that hide behind desks, I just want you to know I can see through your masks. You that never done nothing but build to destroy, you play with my world like it's your little toy. You put a gun in my hand, then you hide from my eyes, and you turn and run farther when the fast bullets fly. I'm skipping a few stanzas. You've thrown the worst fear that can ever be hurled, fear to bring children into the world, for threatening my baby, unborn and unnamed. You ain't worth the blood that runs in your veins. Let me ask you one question. Is your money that good? Will it buy you forgiveness? Do you think that it could? I think you will find when death takes its toll, all the money you made 
will never buy back your soul. All right, and that was a clip of Howard Zinn from Artists in a Time of War, which is an excellent album. And I played on the show uh, many years ago, and still so resonant, and I will possibly be playing a little bit more throughout the program. And before that, we heard, we heard, we heard Peter Tosh with No Nuclear War, and before that, Waves by Portugal the Man. And before that, we heard uh, You Should Have Killed Me Last Year by Ice-T. <sighs> I've mostly been listening to what I was playing, so I haven't really set up too much else. I did find Sir No Sir, which I highly recommend folks check out, and it's on YouTube for free. So if you check out Sir No Sir, the 2005 documentary, you can watch it. And I'm going to play a little bit right now. I feel like doing a lot of listening today. Because, um, of course, a lot of what I want to say has already been said by so many people in the past. People have been saying it for generations, and why not highlight and amplify their voices? So I'll mostly be doing that throughout the program. If I come across some of the other stories I wanted to share, I will get to that. And thanks so much for tuning in. In the early 1960s, the United States government began sending combat troops to South Vietnam. If this little nation goes down the drain and can't maintain her independence, ask yourself what's going to happen to all the other little nations. America's stated goal was to spread democracy and defend freedom. But 30 years later, the legacy of that 10-year war, which left 50,000 Americans and over 3 million Vietnamese dead, still remains unsettled. And in the decades of debate that followed the end of the war, some stories have yet to be heard. Today, your soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, and coast guardmen are better educated than before, are better informed, have traditional American ingenuity and initiative, are better physical specimens, have high morale, and understand what the war is all about. understand that I like being a Green Beret. I thought it was good. When I did go in the military, I went in there gun-ho. In basic training, you have this 500 points that you score. I scored like 501 or something. <laughs> you know, I was really, you know, ready. I tried to spend my whole life having people live a better life and basically feel better. That's what nurses do, right? They tried to turn me into a killer. They tried to turn me into somebody who would take another life. If there's one thing in my life I feel like that I've accomplished, it's that I, I didn't allow that to happen. The president to shake my hand and pen the medal on uh, me. You can say that that was one of the most proudest moments of my life. You know, it took us almost three weeks to cross the Pacific, and there wasn't too much to do on a troop ship, so we'd sit up on the deck at night and have wraps. And a lot of times it would get to whether we were, what we were going to, whether it was right or wrong. And we'd go back and forth, back and forth, and uh, we'd always end up concluding, well, let's hope we're doing the right thing because that's where we're going. 
During the Vietnam War, an anti-war movement emerged that altered the course of history. This movement didn't take place on college campuses, but in barracks and on ships. It flourished in army stockades, navy brigs, and the dingy towns that surrounded military bases. It penetrated elite military colleges like West Point, and it spread throughout the battlefields of Vietnam. It was a movement no one expected, least of all those in it. Hundreds went to prison and thousands into exile, and by 1971 it had, in the words of one colonel, infested the entire armed services. Yet today, few people know about the GI movement against the war in Vietnam. And I was really proud of what I thought I was doing. The earliest days of the war planted the seeds for the movement to come, even among the first American troops in Vietnam, the elite Green Berets. The problem I had was realizing that what I was doing was not good. I was doing it right, but I wasn't doing right. I was asked to train Green Beret people, Special Forces men. Why were they training these guys to, in dermatology? Well, they were training them uh, to do dermatology in Vietnam because they knew that if they were able to offer a few simple remedies and help cure a few children of some simple bacterial infections, uh, that that would uh, ingratiate themselves to the Vietnamese community. And, you know, you remember the phrase, the winning the hearts and minds of the people. So this was, this was how you were going to win the hearts and minds of the people. And while they were offering the Band-Aids of uh, helping to cure a few cases of impetigo, uh, they were bombing the hell out of the villages. I was out on a patrol uh, near Hipwa, and uh, uh, we took a couple of prisoners. I whether they were combatants or not, who knows. The patrol was led by Americans, but there were Vietnamese Arvin there, and uh, they were turned over to Arvin, and Arvin used the old-fashioned methods of interrogation, force, torture. That was pretty common practice. I tell you, as bad as, the, as, bad as that treatment was, the cynicism that attached to it was the part that was really sickening, I thought. And that's about everything I've been taught, everything I learned, everything I grew up with. This is just not the way you treat human beings. And it's all done for the, the good of the cause, I guess. I got out of the military in 1966. I got out because of the things I saw, the things I was doing, and the th reasons that we were given for doing them. It was a personal protest. It was just me getting out of the service. I, there was no movement to join. I found the war in Vietnam uh, more and more repulsive, and I felt that I just couldn't be a part of it. Eventually, I uh, said, look, I'm not training you guys anymore. Uh, I don't agree with what you're doing. I think it's immoral. I think it's medically unethical. And I just stopped, threw him out of the clinic. Uh, uh, it took a few weeks for the Army to catch up with that, uh, and when they did, they invited me into the commanding officer's office and said, look, what are you doing here? And I told them exactly what I was doing. I said, I'm not training him. And they said, well, you know, you, you, you should know the consequences of that. And I said, I'm perfectly aware of the consequences of it. I'm not training. At that point, uh, it was obvious that I was going to be court-martialed. And a few days later, I got the court-martial notice. Howard Levy spent three years in prison. Along with him, three GIs at Fort Hood who refused orders to Vietnam and received five years hard labor and a dishonorable discharge. Army Lieutenant Henry Howe, who carried a sign at a demonstration reading, N. Johnson's fascist aggression in Vietnam was sentenced to two years. And two Marines, 
William Harvey and George Daniel received six to ten year sentences for organizing a meeting about whether black people should fight in Vietnam. And on March 3rd, 1966, former Green Beret Donald Duncan was the featured speaker at an anti-war meeting at the town hall in Manhattan. I just wanted to do what I knew about it and let, let people then judge for themselves. I think the most startling thing to me occurred, however, as the court-martial began. What would happen was we would walk uh, from the parking lot to the uh, building where the court-martial was being held, and it was the most remarkable thing when hundreds, hundreds of GIs would hang out of windows, out of the barracks, and give me the V sign or give me the clenched fist. This was mind-boggling to me. This was a revelation. And at that point, it really became crystal clear to me that something had changed here and that something very, very important was happening. How many people in the army would you think feel the same way perhaps as you do are against the war? I wouldn't mention 